You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Thursday morning, Eagles fans. Another summer morning. But summer is starting to come and go. We're counting down the days until the opening of the Eagles training camp. Just 19 days until I actually report and get some activities in. Yes, that will make it easier for the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. But we do have a couple of things we can sink our teeth into today here, Johnny Mac. The first of which I just saw as I was prepping for the show. Nice pay raise for Quez Watkins, a guy who I thought was not a lock. He was close to a lock, but not 100% lock to make this football team. And I thought uh, Nick Sirianni, when they were having their spring workouts, doth protest too much his defense of Quez Watkins. <laughs> he jumped on the – yeah, he jumped on the sword for Quez. Yeah. Um, what, are you, what, what are you talking about, the performance escalator? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, that's been known for a while. 
Uh, but yeah, he's got, and, and some people have speculated that he would get cut because of that escalator. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think it's not that, but maybe two. He's under three million. He's just under three million. Um, you know, he basically under the CBA day three picks. It might even be third rounders. I forget. I'd have to third look through seventh. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, th- third through seven. If they play a certain amount over their first three years, they get a bump, uh, and he did. Um, the second couple years. So, and, and, you know, but guys playing well, it's not an issue. You're gladly because it's still cheap. You know, it's still very cheap. The problem is you didn't play that well last season. So now you start talking about, well, whatever the bump was, he was just over a million. Now you're almost at 3 million. Yeah. Do you want to pay, do you want to pay that? And, and maybe it would be a more relevant question if they had other options, but they don't have other options. So uh, from from a larger standpoint, $3 is not that big of a deal for a third wide receiver, but you want more production. It all comes down to production with Quez Watkins. Is he going to be – and I think year two, Quez Watkins is fine. Year three, Quez Watkins probably not good enough. And the Eagles are hoping to get closer to to year two, obviously. And uh, you said it's not that much. And when you talk about the overall salary cap, uh, an increase from one million to two point seven eight million is not that much. One point seven eight million on your overall cap is not going to crush you. But then when you look at it individually for Quez Watkins, he got a hundred and seventy eight percent increase in his salary. And he wasn't all that good. So that's yeah, and, why it and, does and, kind and of hey, stand out for somebody like me. Well, and and if, he, if like I said, if they had better options, you know, he, it could put him in peril, to be honest. Uh, but he, they don't have better options. So, you know, perhaps Alameda Zacchaeus uh, can, can take some snaps away if he performs well, but you know, he's pretty much limited to the slot. I, I don't know how much more he could he could play uh, outside. So that alone kind of limits him at least a little bit. And then we've been talking about for weeks. I mean, look, number five is Britton Cubby. And then you're down to the Greg Wards of the world, who great guy, great leader, uh, but he's, you know, he's limited. Um and some of the undrafted kids, you never know. But they don't have anybody who's going to put Quez Watkins in peril because he got that um, escalator bump. And then the second part is, you know, he has outperformed his stat- his status, his pedigree that we always talk about, originally a six-round pick. So, you know, the Eagles are kind of like, well, you know, let's get him back to year two, hopefully. Yeah, Here, here's where yeah, either you and I see it differently or me and the Eagles see it differently. The fact that he was drafted in the sixth round to me now three years in is irrelevant. I, I, I don't care where you drafted him three years. The year you draft him, yes. The second year, okay, I could almost see that. Third year, I think you're now stretching it. He's going into his fourth year where he was picked 
irrelevant. What have you done for me for the first three years in the league? That That's what I'm judging you off, not where we called your name out on draft day if you've already been in the league for six years. So that that to me is incorrect. Yeah, I'm talking from a salary standpoint. I'm, I'm, I'm talking as a six-round pick. Look, you don't have an issue paying a third-round pick $3 million. It becomes – it gets – it's easy to say that Jody, but it gets, it gets blinded. You don't have like the third round. You don't have a problem with a six rounder. You're like, well, we got to pay him $3 million. Well, he's outplayed his, his standard as a, at least a six round pick. Cause he played up to your standard as he played up to the Eagles standard last season. Yeah, probably not. Um, but most six round picks. In fact, I, I, you know, quest is a perfect example of this. I don't know if he's the only guy who got this escalator. From the Eagles, absolutely. Yeah, well, for the Eagles. But there aren't a lot of guys around the league, that's what I'm saying, that have gotten this kind of escalator because they don't play that much um, uh, typically. So, you know, I'm just saying from a salary standpoint, it, it does cloud things at least. Maybe it shouldn't. I'm, I'm with you there, but it does. So again, I try to operate in reality. It does cloud things. And, uh, you know, most six round picks aren't getting escalators because they don't play. That's just the reality of the league. Uh, it's just the way it is. So that's part of it as well. And, and, and the bigger aspect is it, what I started with. It's not a ton of money. But it is a ton of money if you have other options. But they don't have other options. So that's what it comes down to. But here's the aspect of it that is going to lock Quez Watkins onto this team. Even if they were to go out and sign a veteran free agent at this stage and bring him in, and he's a guy who's accomplished more than Quez Watkins and would immediately jump above him on the depth chart before the season ever starts, they can't cut Quez now. Part of the escalator is that money is guaranteed. Quez's salary at $1 million, if he had not gotten the escalator, uh, the only thing that would be uh, against the cap is potential dead cap money would be the small percentage, the one-fourth of the signing bonus that he got when he first signed, which isn't a whole hell of a lot for a six-round pick. Now this year's $2.78 million, all guaranteed. That's part of the, the escalator agreement within the CBA. As soon as you get it, every single dollar of that becomes guaranteed. So if they were to cut Quez, they'd still keep the $2.78 million hit on their cap. So it doesn't make any sense to cut him. If you got to pay him anyway and you get no cap relief, why would you go ahead and cut the guy unless he just flat out stinks? And I wouldn't yeah, say that and, about and, and, and Yeah, and, and again, we're talking about relatively – look, if you have to cut a guy at 2.7, you don't want to, but you can. I mean, anybody can do that. Um, and, you know, but the Eagles don't want to cut him. They don't want to cut him. They do like him more than um, you and I. They do. That part of it's true. Um, it, it, now, again, I think that would change if they – drafted a, another day three pick and, and he was showing some signs of, of turning the corner. Um, and they had some, they're really light on the depth chart beyond AJ Brown and, and Devonte Smith. They, they are not, that is a, that is a weakness. 
if one of those guys gets hurt. Um, and luckily that didn't happen for the most part. Devontae was a little banged up uh, late in the season. AJ was banged up at times, but they played through it. Um, it, it it's, it's a weak spot. It's, it's a stress. But, you know, most teams don't have the top of the depth chart that the Eagles do. So that's part of the NFL is you – there are certain positions you can't have great players behind great players. Um, and and they're hopeful that he has a bit of a bounce back year. Um, I You know, I'll look it up real quick. So if you want to use PFF, he was 52 of 115 in 2021. That's fine. That's like middle of the road. That's for fine. Third, for your third wide receiver, that's not awful. I would I would have bet he was in how many did you say? One fifteen? One fifteen. Yeah, I, I would have bet he was in the sixties. Uh, yeah, well, even sixties that is fine. Last year was one oh eight of one thirteen. That's not fine. That's the kind of difference. If you get well, what what was the first number you gave us? Two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. Okay. So what was he last year? 108 of 113. Yeah, that, that kind of tells the tale, does it not? Yeah, that's not good enough. He can't play like that. They're hoping he gets back to 2021 when he was middle of the road, and that's acceptable as a third receiver. Um, last year is not acceptable. And especially when you, when you add on top of it <clears throat> the failure in big spots um, to make plays that are there, and because remember, in Jody, in theory, he should have gotten better because he's getting less attention. Right. Um, with AJ Brown out there. And it turned out to be worse. So, you know, maybe he's one of those guys that needs a little bit more traffic to get involved in the game. But guess what? You're not getting it here. So, but he's their best option, man. And it's not particularly close, really. It really isn't. Um, and and that's an issue john we don't know what any of their undrafted wide receivers are and i know quez was drafted and the guys we're talking about weren't drafted but as you pointed out well it's always is not there there isn't a huge difference between being a sixth round draft pick and an undrafted free agent i don't know whether any of these kids can play or not because we haven't seen them you're going to actually get a chance to see him within the next three or four weeks. And well, maybe but, uh, but my larger something. point there, yeah, you can always find Adam Thielen at some point. My 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 larger point is you can't count on that. So if you're going into training camp and saying, well, maybe uh, Joseph Nada, an undrafted kid, maybe everybody got it wrong. Maybe they did. I mean, maybe he turns into a really good player. I'm not saying he can't turn into a really good player. I'm saying the Eagles can't count on that. That can't be a plan. Jaden Hazelwood, that can't be a plan. Um, Quez Watkins, on paper, is by far the third best receiver on this team. And that's not great. Right. You know, that's that's one of the stress points of this roster. he's, He's here to stay because I did not realize the uh escalator clause had kicked in and i absolutely did not know till today that that money immediately gets guaranteed so if you've got a player that's kind of sitting on the roster fence and then you realize well we're gonna have to cut him for a maybe and oh by the way we don't even get salary cap relief when we cut him 
Oquez is going nowhere fast. He is sticking around as their number three wide receiver unless someone absolutely floors them. Uh, one of their undrafted wide receivers. And by the way, that's why Nick Sirianni was acting the way he did. He's trying to bolster his confidence as a player. That's what he's trying to do because he knows he's got a count on him. So, you know, there's no, I'm always bemused by fans or people say, why are you, why are you talking like this? What do you want him to bury a guy that he's got a count on that, that that's, that just doesn't happen right, in this there, league. There, are it some, should happen. there are some astute eagle observers, aka John McMone, Jonah McDonald, uh, all your buddies on the beat who go, Why did he specifically go to Quez? Nobody asked him about Quez, but he felt the need to, 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 try to single Quez out. Hopping is a big thing in this league, man. Big I, thing. I understand it is. Oh, and we'll have a good guest to talk about that coming up in just a second. A guy who used to be an executive in a league who we'll see if he believed in the old pat on the back to boost the guy's confidence or not. I'm not sure that should be necessary for a fourth-year player. Fourth. This is Quez's fourth year coming up. Got to gotta boost them back up. Okay, we'll see. Uh, yeah, we got a good guest joining us coming up in just a couple of minutes former general manager of the uh, Washington at the time Redskins knee uh, football team, knee commanders, now sports talk show host in Baltimore. Our buddy Vinny Serrano is going to jump aboard with us next here on Birds 365. Stick around. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? Yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama. She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. 
Morning, guys. Good morning. Appreciate you streaming on in here on Birth 365 with McMullen on McDonald. Appreciate your joining us. Look who's joining us. The former general manager of the Washington Redskins, uh, now host of the Vinny and Haney show on 105.7 The Fan down in Baltimore, Charm City's own Vinny Serrato. How you been, Vin, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm on vacation. I'm in Long Beach Island. I'm sure you've been there, Jody. Nice. LBI up Why, here on yeah. the Jersey Shore? Yeah. Yes. That's oh, very good. nice. All right. Nice. A little too right. crowded this time of year, though, Benny. A little too crowded. I don't like the crowds. I'm an off-season guy. <laughs> that, that probably is not a bad idea. We were at Atlantic City the other day fishing. Caught nice. 30, 34 flounder. Nice. Damn. Ooh. So you're, you're eating good in the neighborhood these days. I'll tell you my quick best LB store, LBI story ever. Uh, like the first year I moved down here to South Jersey, went to Long Beach Island, had friends from both New York and Philadelphia, which is right there in the middle of the Jersey Shore. Yeah. So you get New Yorkers and you get knuckleheads coming up from Baltimore like Vinny Serrato. <laughs> Labor Day weekend, um, the NFL way back when in the 90s used to still play in Labor Day weekend. Eagles Giants open up the season and I'm in the best sports bar on Long Beach Island. The, the trash talking, the beer throwing, the fighting. I was like the best uh, Labor Day Sunday I ever had because it was the Eagles versus uh, the Giants. A hell of a lot of fun. You probably felt like you were just in Eagles Stadium. Yeah, or 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 uh, MetLife. No, it wasn't even MetLife. It was Giants Stadium at the time because I knew both markets and had friends in both markets. So we had a great time. I hope you have a great time too. All right, so after this, you got to go back to work. And the Raven season is going to get underway shortly thereafter. You were there for all the spring practices and the like. Lamar yep. gets the deal done. Oh, by the way, Jalen Hurts says you're welcome for getting his deal done so that the Ravens could get Lamar's deal done. All copacetic there. Everybody on the, on the same page. No bad feelings of having to play the whole year the way they did last year. Is everybody on the right page in Baltimore? Yeah, that, that's the way negotiations go. Everybody hates each other, you know, goes yeah. back and forth. And then everybody loves each other once the deal gets done. And I, I tell you what, Lamar looks like last year, he didn't look like he was having fun and he was engaged. I thought the last eight games of the season, guys, I thought they got uh, Lamar the agent. I think he was making business decisions. Now, you know, he's happy. You know, he's talking to receivers. He's, you know, he's like he was in 19. He just looks like he's engaged and enjoying himself. Well, that check will do it, Benny. Jalen Hurts up here. Yeah, he was the highest paid player in the NFL for four days because that's how it works. And then all of a sudden, Lamar Jackson takes over. So Lamar, the agent, did the job. He had a lot of criticism, but he got it done in the end, ultimately. Uh, ultimately, I mean, he, he got the same deal that they offered him, basically the – yeah. In the summertime. Yeah. I, I, I think what he found out was after the Jalen Hurts deal that there was not going to be, you know. Sean Watson. Yeah, that 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 complicated everything. The, there was it, not going to be all that guaranteed money. And once yeah. he came off the guaranteed money, then the deal got done quickly. Yeah, yeah. Now, Baltimore as a whole, Benny, is an interesting team to me because they're good. But the yeah. AFC's got a bunch of good teams. So, like, if I put Baltimore in the NFC, I go, that's a contender. That's a legit Super Bowl contender. I don't know in the AFC. Where do they see themselves? 
uh, I, moving forward. I think I think they're going to be really good. But I mean, if you just take the AFC North, I mean, we talk about it all the time. You look at the North, you can make a case for any team to win a yeah. division. Yeah. You know, and because the biggest the biggest question mark in the division is what Deshaun Watson are we getting? Right. That's the key. You know, are we getting the Houston one or are we getting the one from last year? And that's going yeah. to be the key to, to Cleveland. Um, but the Ravens, when you look at the Ravens, I mean, quarterback, good. Running backs are good. Great tight ends. Got depth at receiver now. They got a very good offensive line. So, I mean, offensively, they're really good. And in the secondary, three of the four are studs. They got two great inside linebackers. Inside defensive lines, pretty good. The pass rushers are going to be the key. A Jabo and Oway, that that is going to be the key. You know, if they're and let me just say this: A Jabo, he looks. I, I don't know if you guys watched him at Michigan when he had his 15 sacks or whatever, but I mean, that's how he looks. That's uh, they're going to need him to step up and be big no right off the back. Um, you mentioned two good inside linebackers, and oh by the way, they used their second round draft pick on an inside linebacker as well. Uh, last year, uh, they decided not to pick up the fifth-year option on Patrick Queen, who progressively got better over his three years. First-year rookie, first-round draft pick, not great. Showed improvement year two, made a major step up last year in year number three. Is it a given that Patrick Queen is going to be staying with the Ravens, or is there a possibility that if somebody jumps up and offers them something, they'd be willing to move Patrick Queen? Well, you know what? Like talking to their guys and stuff, the the biggest problem with the inside linebackers <clears throat> with the fifth year option, it's the same as the outside backers. So there was not one inside backer fifth year option picked up. Now, Queen, I see Queen as a Robin, and and I see Roquan as the Batman because when Roquan came in, all of a sudden Queen became really good, and I think what happened was. It allowed Queen to do what he does well. I mean, he run blitzes well. He blitzes the passer well and just kind of runs to the football. Whereas Roquan, Roquan could kind of be his um, kind of bodyguard to take care of the things when he's blitzing and stuff. Roquan, to me, he's Roquan's the leader of that defense by far. I mean, he's yeah. the green dot guy. Um, like when I was out at practice at football school, you know, they didn't have jerseys on then. And, you know, I didn't know what guys looked like because I hadn't seen, you know, if they don't have their jersey on, we don't know who they are. So, <laughs> Roquan was easy to pick out. He was the one doing all the talking and telling everybody. He, he looked, I was acting like a coach out there. Now, yeah. speaking of coaches, I mean, they had two huge additions. Offensively, Todd Munkin. You guys would love Munkin. When he's out on the field, he runs it all. He's loud. He'll holler. He'll swear. He'll do what whatever he feels. He reminds me of Mike Shanahan, the way he is on the field during practice. Because the coaches, like, they kind of talk to their players in the huddle. Whereas when the play's going on and everything, Todd Munkin is coaching everything. So he's telling the he's got a receiver background. So he's telling the receivers what to do exactly because he's so detailed. He wants everything perfectly. You know, if they're supposed to be 18 yards deep, be 18. 
If not, he's on him. Because what he's doing is he's coaching the coaches too. And he's got a bunch of young coaches. And, and Mike Shanahan told me back when I was in San Fran, I don't need a bunch of guys to tell me, you know, how to coach football. I just, I just need some guys to, you know, coach their individual position. Young guys. In San Fran, we had all young coaches. He said, I just need a great old line coach. We had Bob McKittrick, and Bob, you know, would call to run plays, and then Mike took care of the offense. And I think that's kind of how Todd is, and that's how it looks out on the field. And it, and it looks much better, you know, than it has been in the past, just because, I mean, I had one of their executives tell me, seen more passes today than I saw in a month, you know, with uh, Greg Roman. <laughs> hey, Greg. Um, I want to rewind. I want you to put on your executive hat, uh, Benny. Um, the reason we brought up Queen, the reason why Jody went that direction, one of the few weaknesses on the Eagles is off-ball linebacker, at least on paper. Um, and you see somebody not getting that fifth-year option picked up, and you see him draft a, a kid in the third round, Simpson, uh, as a potential replacement down the road. Is there any way August comes around and they say, let's get something for Queen while we can. Let's try to go in that direction. I see you shaking your head now. No, no way. I mean, they're, they're, Eric has told me that, DaCosta, their GM, that I'm not in the business of giving away good football players. And that would make no sense because they probably have the best inside backer group in the league. And, you know, Queen is playing. I mean, he looked great at the mini camps and, and OTAs and stuff. So, no, I mean, that that's one of their biggest strengths. And Simpson's not ready. I mean, Man. you don't even notice him. You know, he wears jersey 30. And I always ask Bob Haney, who's my partner on the show, you know, do you notice? You know, I'm, you don't even notice him. Whereas yeah. Queen, he's not he, – he's probably a year away. He needs to learn. He just – you know, he runs 4-4, but right now he's playing like he's uh, like 4-8 because he's got to think too much. And – they don't, they don't need that, and especially when you've got three of their first five games are division games on the road. A tough way to open up. All right, you mentioned depth at the wide receiver for the Ravens, Vinny. Part of that is uh, the uh, young man they drafted in the first round, Zay Flowers. Uh, Zay Flowers from Boston College. I'll be honest, not one of the wide receivers. You got uh, grabbed in that. Uh, wide receiver run in the draft this past year. A whole bunch of them went back to back to back to back, mm -hmm. and Flowers was one of them. Um, tell us why this kid is going to be able to step in and play as a first-year NFL starter. I'm not as big a fan. Anything you saw that tells you, yeah, he'll be good year one? I loved him, Jody. And, you know, and I talked to Mel Kuyper a lot. Um, he's been a friend for years, and that was Mel's favorite receiver, too. I, I, yes. I thought Zay Flowers' best receiver in the draft. And, Jody, when you see him out there, he's so quick, he's explosive, and he can make people miss. Uh, he plays bigger than his 5'9". Like, um, he just he, – he plays bigger. Like Marquise Brown, they were basically the same size, but Marquise played small. Marquise was the type of receiver that uh, when he'd get the ball, he'd run out of bounds or fall down you know, like the old St. Louis receivers used to do all the time. Um, but Zay Flowers, he's he's going to make people miss. And last year, the Ravens, I think they were worst in the league with yak yards. 
and and Zay Flowers is a yak guy. Bateman, okay. Bateman's a yak guy, and Ode- uh, Odell's of a yak guy, and you know the tight ends are yak people, so they're going to get a lot more yak yards. And and how about last year, the running backs? I think they they had about twenty some catches for the season. The biggest difference is if you look at Cincinnati, they had a thousand or eight hundred yak yards just from the two backs. Eight hundred. The Ravens had a hundred. You know. So, I mean, they're going to, Lamar's going to pick up a lot of easy yards because they're going to have five receivers in a pattern. They're going to have a lot of quick screen and they're going to have the ability to let those guys make plays for them after the catch. Cause Lamar doesn't need to be running for a thousand yards. I'm, I, I say he throws for four and then rushes for like 700. I think that would be more ideal for the Ravens. You know, Benny, when I've watched Lamar over the years, I've always been uh, impressed with his ability to get the football to the tight ends. Now, partially that's due to Andrews, who's a tremendous player, but it's been other guys as well. I know they lost Josh Oliver, who's, a, I think, a really underrated player that people don't yeah. realize. But um, you mentioned Flowers, Bateman, Beckham, our old buddy Nelson Aguilar is down there. All of a sudden, they got all these receivers. Um, is that playing up to his strengths, though? Because I like him in the middle of the field. He has dominated with those tight ends over the years. Yeah, but I, I well, got different offensive coordinator also, you know, who will throw the ball to the, to the receiver. Because the thing that I liked about Todd Munkin is he says, I got to figure out what everybody does best. And then that's what I'm going to have them do. Same with Lamar. Lamar, what does Lamar do best? And that's what I'm going to do. Like with Zay Flowers, Jody, he says, I got to get Zay Flowers the ball in space. You know, so I got to find ways to get him the ball. He's going to be the jet sweep guy and all that because he's got that type of skill. Now, your buddy Aguilar, I, I think kind of, the drop stuff kind of came up a little bit, you know, towards mini camp. He, it will come up, Benny. Yes. <laughs> you know, because here's the thing is Aguilar and Duvernay are going for four and five, but Duvernay's cap number is four something and Aguilar's three. And I don't see how you can pay four and five, you know, $7 million of cap dollars for your fourth and fifth receivers. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. All right. Um, what's OBJ's attitude? Because I knew him forever in New York. Yeah, goes to the Ram, gets the championship, holds out all last year. I thought Jerry was going to sign him at least twice last year, and it never came to fruition. Ends up signing and gets what he wants. Lamar signs and stays in Baltimore. He's as talented a player as there is, but at times I talked to a lot of guys that said he wasn't the best guy to have in a locker room, and his attitude needed major adjustment how good has it been since getting to baltimore well he's only been there for the mini camp you know so he was there the three days i he was at his press conference i I went to that um he said all the right things there and you know todd munkin had him in cleveland for the year there so he knew him and right now he's all in yeah um we'll see if he's not catching balls and doing those types of things. But I would say this, Jody, watching him, I mean, it was the first time he'd put on a jersey since the Super Bowl. So he was cautious, you know, which is normal coming off ACL. And I think we'll see 
uh, a different guy come the fall because at the I asked him at the press conference, you know, are you going to be at OTAs? He says we don't play till September, you know. So that kind of told you, you know, what he thought was going to happen, what you thought was going to happen in OTAs and minicamp. But he took he took uh, more reps than I thought, you know, he would. Um, and then it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out come training camp. I think he'll be heavily involved. Like they play the Eagles first preseason game. And then the following Tuesday and Wednesday, they have Washington there for two days of practice. I think that's, that's going to be the big thing for the number ones for Lamar, for that offense, because nobody plays preseason games anymore. Yeah, no, no, you know, so these practices and they're having their joint practices. Yeah. Which, yeah. The joint yeah, practices yeah. are, that's going to be the best thing. I, Jody, yeah. were you at the one when the Ravens went up to the Eagles like a few years back? No, didn't make no, that. Practice. I was. I was. Yeah. Does 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 Harbaugh win all the joint practices too? Because we know he never loses a preseason game. Uh, Nick Sirianni likes you know, to brag that he never way, loses a joint practice. You, this you could know, be World War Three. Ravens and Eagles joint practices this summer. Hey Benny, you know who I was in awe of when the when the Ravens were here. Uh, well, the Ravens come here a lot. Way back when. When Darren Waller was a six-round pick, they were up here. Yeah. So that was years ago. You could tell then that that guy was killing the Eagles with contested catches. But he was a tight end back then. Uh, excuse me, a wide receiver coming out of college. And then they shifted him to tight end later. But you know the guy who just, I'm in awe of when I watch him when he comes up here? Tucker. It's unbelievable. The ball coming off his foot. It is unbelievable. It's just different than any other kicker I've ever seen. It's you, know what, you, know what, you know what's funny is is I was at the Texas Texas A and M game uh, when he won that kick and beat A and M. You know, so I, I I had known of Justin Tucker because Mac Brown was the head coach of Texas at the time, and I was sitting with his wife in her in the box. But Justin Tucker, he's just he's so consistent. It's like you know what when I was in San Francisco, we had Gary Anderson and like. When we'd line up to kick a, a field goal, I'd go get something to eat or whatever because <laughs> it's going to be good. And that's the same with Tucker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like if he misses, you're shocked. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gary had the first perfect season in NFL history, and then it, it evaporated in the uh, NFC Championship game. That was uh, I was I was at the, that that was a tough loss for Minnesota. Oh. I was covering the Vikings at the time, but. Uh, Benny, I wanted before you popped on here, uh, Jody and I were talking about uh, Nick Sirianni, how he's handled Quez Watkins, a young player coming off a bad year. And he tried to go out of his way in in the spring and sort of prop him up. When you're when you're a GM, uh, vice president of football ops, you see your coach do that. Is there a fine line? You want to prop a guy up? You want to be honest? I I. I'm always surprised when fans expect coaches to rip guys. There's no, there's no upside to that. Now, occasionally you get an old school guy like Parcells, well, call the player she or something like that, who has this old gruff mentality. But those guys don't exist anymore. If they do, it's very, very rare. Yeah, I, you know, you got to be, you got to play the mind games because I mean, a lot of that game is between the years. Yeah, and confidence is a huge factor. Guy can play 
so much faster and everything else if if he's got a, a clean mind. And the biggest thing is if you're confident in yourself and you you just see a different guy, you know. So Joe Gibbs was Joe Gibbs never yelled at players, you know, either. Joe was always, you know, patting them on the back, encouraging them because you know what good does it do you to yell at? Plus. The thing what good coaches do is they know what makes each player tick. So, you know, like Clinton Portis with Joe Gibbs. Clinton was the type of guy, and Jim Zorn learned this, that you can't embarrass him in front of other people. Yeah. When when Joe ever had a problem with Clinton, he would just call him into his office and they would talk in the office. Where Jim Zorn, you know, attacked him on the field and then Clinton shut it down. And then wanted to be traded and, you know, just caused a lot of problems. So you got to know how to handle each player. And you know what I would always tell our coaches, you know, like when you're talking to a press conference, you know who you're talking to. The people you're talking to are your players. They're on that Monday press conference, you know, when the coaches, you're talking to the coaches or the players' families. The players are listening. The girlfriends are listening. Although that's who you're talking to. That's the message that because John Harbaugh never rips a player. I mean, you listen to him on a Monday, never rips a player, always talks positive about every player. Some coaches don't get that. And then, you know what? Then you got problems when you come back on Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, because then all of a sudden, you know, the coach ripped me and you unbelieve in me. And then it's just one problem after another. I got another ex general magic question for you, Vinny. I don't know if you did the Long Beach Island thing when you were actually the man in charge of the Redskins, but this summer downtime, no practice, no games, no nothing. But you know that there's just one phone call away from your season falling into disrepair because somebody got in trouble somewhere doing something. Did you turn your ringer down on your cell phone when you got away for a couple of weeks during the summer? How how many hours of sleep did you lose wondering about, is tonight the night I get the phone call? That one uh, of my guys. It, it's happened, you know. Uh, when you get the call, like if it's late at night or early in the morning, you know, then it's, it's usually not good at all. Right. I, I mean, because I, I remember when, Dan Snyder called me like five o'clock in the morning about Sean Taylor, you know, that was 5. AM. And then in the summertime, one time I was, I was out running, got a call. Um, one of the players got in trouble, you know, and it's like, Jesus, you know, I mean, it just never ends. You, you don't want to get that call, right. you know, in the summertime because you get enough of them during the season. Yeah, season exactly. You know? I mean, you can't sleep during the season, Yeah, you know, well, you were telling us before about Dan Snyder calling you up. Now, obviously, in that tragic situation, but just in general, how he would sort of uh, call you up in the in, in, early in the morning or whatever it was. No, late and, at night. Yeah, early yeah, in late the morning. At night, like two, yeah. Three in the morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, how, how, how much do you think – we're going back a while, but, you know, one of your former teams, Washington – it looks like finally they're going to move on from Daniel Snyder. It looks like it's going to be approved. Uh, Josh Harris, who we know well in Philadelphia, owns the Sixers. Um, it, 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 new regime. Um, how 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 important is it going to be for that organization? Because they've been through a lot. 
with Dan. They've been through a lot. I think it's big just because the fan base, I mean, they needed a divorce, you know, and Dan needed a divorce. The fans needed a divorce because they can't get a new stadium. They can't get a lot of things, you know, and um, fans aren't going to the games. So they just need it re-energized. That's what they need. And, you know, Josh Harris, he's going to get an opportunity. I mean, coming in there now, the fan base, they're going to be all fired up for new ownership and they're going to, we'll see what he does. I mean, you know, he's Rivera. They'll stay for a year, but then all owners like to get, yeah, they want to get their own guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about the outgoing owner. What do you think he's going to do with the rest of his life? Now he don't have to do anything. He'd stay out there on his yacht and uh, the Mediterranean sea if he so desires, but he's still a relatively young man. You knew him. You took three o'clock in the morning phone calls from him. What do you think Dan Snyder is going to do when he's not the owner of the Washington football team? Well, he's going to have about $5 billion, Jody. <laughs> and Nice place think, to start. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. place. Yeah. So you don't have a lot of problems. You got that $100 million yacht. I, I think he may live in London from what people told me. Yeah, he spends most of his time, it seems, over in Europe yeah. now. And he's got uh, I don't know if that was to avoid Congress or or if he wants to live there, but uh, yeah, uh, it's interesting. Um, it's good, you know. The NFL as a whole. I got to ask you this, Benny, Jody, and I've been uh, and this last one for me. Make sure you follow Benny uh, Benny on Twitter, Benny and Rob at Benny and Rob, uh, CBS Sports Radio down in Baltimore. But um, the gambling policy. Boy, man, this is, I, I mean, it's really, it's really difficult from the NFL's perspective because they're in bed. They want to yep. make money off it. And all of a sudden you're suspending guys for six games a year. The education hasn't been great. And the reason I know that is because they had a conference call with us reporters about 10 days ago, two weeks ago. It's like, why wasn't this going on before all the suspensions? Typically, I default. I think the NFL's got a difficult job. Most of the punishment is is CBA, you know, negotiated. I think a lot of fans don't understand that. But in this one instance, Benny, I I think there's room for more common sense with the league. But there's a little hypocrisy going on. These are young kids. If they're betting on NBA games in the parking lot, why not say, "Hey, knucklehead, you can't do that." Find them, and then if they do it again, then you go zero sum punishment. Where are you on the on the gambling issue in the NFL? Well, I mean, you guys have been in stadiums and stuff in locker rooms. I mean, there's signs everywhere, you know, about the game. Been there forever. Yeah. Well, NFL games, I think, is different, but right because they allow. Yeah. They just don't want them betting. I, I guess betting in the facility. You know, even even employees betting in the facility, they don't want because they don't want information leaked, Yep. you know, like injury information. And if a guy's betting, I'm sure people can track if a guy's betting, you know, OK, he must know something. I, I think going in hard on them, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I know Eric DaCosta at the start of uh, minicamp. He met with, he talked to the whole team and went through it all and everything and, you know, explained to them again, you know, about the do's and don'ts, what you can and what you can't do. So um, I, 
you know, I mean, it's pretty common sense. You know, I mean, if you're a player, it's pretty common sense that you don't bet on NFL games. And if yeah, you do, and I was more, I was more in. Look, I'm a hundred percent with you with NFL games. I was more in. Guys are getting suspended. They're allowed to bet on NBA games, NHL games, whatever, right. as long as it's outside the team facility, team hotel, things like that. That's the kind of stuff I was more talking about. I think there's more room to say, hey, either, well, do one of two. Say you can't bet on anything. I'd be all behind that. Mm-hmm. Can't bet. Right. Then you got to deal with the hypocrisy aspect that you're making money off it, but that's for the league to deal with. But if you're going to allow them, I think there's got to be a little wiggle room. Look, if you're betting on NFL games, yeah, boom, right. your suspension. No problem with that. The other stuff I got a, a little bit of a problem with. I, I, I don't totally disagree with you at all because, you know, the league, they're all about money. I mean, we know that. Every decision they make, it's about, uh, you know, how can they make money? And when they got in bed with the gambling, then you knew you were going to have issues. You knew it. Um, and I, I tend to agree with you. Like the Williams kid from the Lions, you yeah. know, he was betting college. Yeah. You know, and he got suspended six games. You know, I I could see, you know, first time offense kind of thing with, you know, you're betting on college. All right, get a game or, you know, slap him on the wrist a little bit. But if you're betting on, you know, pro games, I think that's what Ridley did, right? That's why he missed yeah. the year. Yeah. So I, I don't totally disagree with you. Oh, here's where I would like to see it go, and I think there's almost no chance of it going. They never negotiate when the CBA is not due, and the CBA is not due for years to come, but they have a new head of the union. Let's see if he can make his chops a little bit and go in and negotiate something. As John pointed out, most of the penalties are already decided. They're already written out in the CBA. Why don't you have that with the way I understand it's exploding and the way that it's gone from here to here because of the amount of uh, legalized gambling that's been passed in the country, put it in the CBA, negotiate it out now. So you don't have guys like Jody McDonald and John McMullen and Vinny Serrato talking about it on a YouTube show as to how much they should be suspended. Just negotiate it out. Yeah. I don't think that'll get done, but that would make sense. All right, Vinny, last one for me. Um, How's your son doing? The, the hockey prodigy. What's he up to these days? How'd his first year in Michigan go? No, he's not at Michigan yet. He he was still at the U.S. team, and he's uh he's gonna do a year in the USHL before he goes to college. Okay, and he was the young Youngstown won the USHL this year, and Youngstown wanted Charlie. They had the last pick of the draft, so Madison had the first pick. So they traded uh three draft picks and three players to move up to number one to take Charlie. So he's going to be playing for Youngstown. Nice. And nice. Jody, three you like picks this. and three players. They'll always have that on the resume. Yeah. So they, they had main camp like two weeks ago, which is fun. I went and watched. So it was good. And so, so you know what I did because he's going to be in Youngstown. I, I called Carmen policy and I called Eddie DeBardlo, you know, cause they're both Youngstown guys. Yeah. The guy that owns half of the Youngstown team, Carmen policy representative way back when, you know, so they'll be looking out for him. 
Very nice. Uh, now, when does he become NHL draft eligible? Next year, he'll be ready. Next year. Okay, good. Well, we're going to have you on plenty between now and then, including probably after the Ravens and Eagles throw down in joint practice. Could be yeah. the war no, to end no. all wars. The, the Ravens have joint practice with Washington. Yeah, they it's play. Cleveland. The Eagles are Cleveland and Oh, they're not doing the Ravens year. this year? That's, no. no. They usually do the game, Ravens. Huh? The Ravens well, you know have been what, here you know so many times. What happened was yeah. um, Chip Kelly changed, like when everything they had agreed on when the Ravens were up there practicing, Chip Kelly changed everything, did everything how he wanted to do it. Yeah. And Harbs was done with him after that. That was a good dude. That by the way, that was the uh, Sirianni would be into it. That was the Darren Waller year. Darren yes. Waller just killed the Eagles. Yeah, and I said, "Who's this kid?" He was a six-round pick out of Georgia Tech, and he was just destroying them. I'll never forget it. Well, Johnny, um, you better hope he doesn't kill the Eagles this year because he's on the Giants now. They're gonna they're yeah. gonna get a chance to see Darren Waller twice this yeah. year. Yeah. Vinny, enjoy the rest of your vacay. If you get back out there, may you catch thirty more fish. Have a big fish fry on us. You know we're going to be reaching back to you again real soon. Thanks for jumping in today, buddy. No problem, guys. Thanks, Vinny. Vinny yep. Serrato from 105.7 The Fan down in Baltimore, the Vinny and Haney show uh, every day in the middays and uh, former NFL yeah. exec. Nobody liked Chip except uh, Bill Belichick. That's it. That's it. It's, and and he just liked to pick his brain and say, all right, now you yeah. can leave. Hey, bring him in, uh, pick his brain for That's three or four It's funny. It's always those out. joint practices. I always, Vinny jogged my memory of Darren Waller. Uh, there's always somebody. I remember, well, obviously, Tom Brady, when New England was here, I'll never forget it because they were on the, for anybody who's been at the Novacare Complex, they have like three fields. They were in the, the far field to the right, and they were doing one-on-ones, receivers against uh, defensive backs. And I was about three feet away because you can get really close there. And I've never heard so many expletives in my life because Brady was just pinpoint. And every Eagles defensive back would come back just with F-bombs. And it was, it was, it was something to see. Was, uh, was Slay not there yet? No, he was not there. Yeah, that he was not was there yet. Because had had that happened, I think he would have turned an ankle. No. Because when when Slay gets beat badly in a non regular season game, somehow he miraculously turns up with an injury. What Tyree Kill did to him a couple of years ago down there. Yeah, in, uh, I was not. Miami. I was not as close for the Tyree Kill. Uh, I think you know. I think Brandon Boykin might have been the best cornerback at that time. So. On the Eagles, damn, yeah. that's saying something. No wonder Brady completed all those yeah. passes in a row. They weren't weren't stocked full with cornerbacks who. But they up. were. They were right on the. Uh, I mean, you talk about accuracy, Jody. Never seen a more accurate quarterback. And I saw yeah. Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford's close, but uh, that's why he is considered the goat. I'm going to give you another guy who was considered the goat, at least in one man's eyes. When we come back, greatest coach of all time, according to an ex-eagle. Really, I will uh, give you details on that when we come back. Got a good guest joining us in hour number two. That'd be Les Bowen. Going to jump in with Mac and Mac. So keep it right here on Birds 365.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles With John McMullen, I'm Jody McDonald. That's Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. All right, we're down a couple of numbers today for uh, those of you who are streamed in right now. Boom, hit that like button. Come on, we, we don't hit you up for it every single day, but every once in a while you got to throw a little love your Mac and Mac guys way. Yeah, feel free to Hit the like button, like, share, and subscribe to us here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. All right, tying a couple of things into already been discussed on the show today. Um, Mike Vick, former Eagles standout uh, quarterback. Did Vick do about five years, four or five years? How many years was Vick here? Boy, I have to look. It all runs together. I was just looking at my phone, Benny. I, I still have the pictures of Darren Waller from his domination day. Back in 20, it was 2015, uh, 2015 when the Ravens were up here. Damn, that's um, a long time ago. Well, you're right. He was, what, a rookie or a second? Yeah, he was a rookie. He was a rookie uh, six-round pick, and I remember saying, who the heck is that guy? Um, really skinny. I'm going to tweet the picture at our next break. But, uh, yeah, you could tell he had something. Ultimately, gained a lot of weight and became a tight end. Uh, Mike was here from 2009 to 2013. Yes, that's five years. Uh, Vic was uh, with the Eagles. Doesn't seem like that long, but it was. 
Uh, and yesterday, I guess on one of the Fox outlets, because he works for Fox, he said the greatest coach of all time, the goat of coaches in the National Football League, is Andy Reid. Now, you like Andy. I like Andy. Uh, Andy has had a heck of a second act in his career after having hell of a first act here in Philadelphia. Now he added two Super Bowl trophies to his resume out there with that Mahomes guy who he went and got for those who are ready to go. Ooh, just because he has Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he has Patrick Mahomes because he went and got Patrick Mahomes. Traded up in the draft to get him because he saw how potentially great the young man could become. Uh, so I don't think that lessens Andy Reid's accomplishments a little bit. Saying all those nice things about Andy Reid, he's not the greatest coach of all time. Come on, Mike. No, he did you solid. He was the first one to reach out after you had your issue, did your time in jail for dogfighting, and he gets you an entree back into the National Football League. But that doesn't make him the greatest coach of all time, Johnny Mac. No, but I, I will say this. Uh, I'm not going to say he's the greatest coach of all time, but it's not a, outrageous to say anymore to, to put him in the conversation. I mean, I would put I, – I, I think Bill Belichick is the best coach of all time, and some people say no because he had Tom Brady. It's always going to be that dichotomy you just mentioned with Patrick Mahomes. Um you're always going to have that back and forth. Some are going to say Shula because he got the most wins. Some are going to go back to George Hallis or Curly Lambeau, but Chuck Knoll, if you want to talk about, you know, four and O Super Bowls, um, whatever name you want to go to. He's now number five all time and he's going to pass Tom Landry this year easily. He's three behind Tom Landry. I mean, he's, I think because we're in it, it's, it's hard to judge the sort of greatness when it's going on. Um, He's, he's on a very short list. I wouldn't put him at the top, but he's easily top 10. Easily. I agree with you on top 10. I'm not sure he's cracked the top five yet. But Michael Vick went to numero uno. It's yeah, I'm a, not going to go that far, it, but I understand. You had said. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. One of the greatest coaches of all time, checkmark. Exactly right. He is one of the greatest. He is not the greatest. That that three-letter word, O-N-E, differentiates between the two. Oh, yeah. You can't make I him mean, number one. Look, I bet you if you talk to some of 
Belichick's players or Shula's or Landry's, they'll say the same thing about their guys. I mean, you know, he, he's obviously very important to Michael Vick. So, I, but, you know, if we, Andy's not done, and I don't know how long he's going to go, but, you know, if he wins two or three more, which now is not out of the Jake. realm of possibility with Patrick Mahomes, um, then you really start because if he wins, they're going to win. Let's say they have a bad year. They're going to win 11 games. Uh, yeah. How, how long is Patrick going to be there? He's going to be, he's going to be threatening. You know, the only guys ahead of him after this year are going to be Belichick, Hallis and Shula. So they're, they, they got a big leg up. Shula's at 328. Hallis is at 318. Belichick's at 298 and counting. Landry's at 250 and Andy's at 247. But you have three more years just at 10 wins, which is lowballing it. You're at 277. I mean, he's he's closer than I think a lot of people realize. But no, I'm not going to go number one. And f- fair enough, but when you talk about total wins, you must also factor in the NFL's up to now 17 games. Yeah, Some of these coaches yeah. we're talking about coach when the NFL played 12 games a year. So when you're adding five more games a year to taking a 12-game season to a 17-game season, the amount of total wins starts to... Yeah, and that's why reduce. winning percentage is is better. But winning percentage, if you want to go winning percentage, Hallis is one. 682, uh, Shula 677, Belichick 662, and then it's Andy 641. And Andy's only getting better because, again, he's in he's in the 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 Mahomes part of his career, right? Where he's going to be way above 641 unless you know injuries and catastrophe happens. Um, yeah, I mean. He's legit, no matter what way you want to look at it. Andy Reid is one of the best coaches of all time. He's a lock call of famer. Anyone who wants to argue that, you're not paying close enough attention. But the greatest of all time is Michael Vick. Deemed him yesterday. Sorry, Mike. I gotta, I gotta throw the flag on that one and go a little, a little too close to that one, buddy. Uh, Andy did you solid by bringing you back into the league. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time, not the greatest coach. Of all time. All right, uh, Johnny Mac, uh, did want to run this one by our good friend Mike Florio from Pro Football uh, Pro Football Talk. Did uh, bring this up yesterday. The Saudi Public Investment Fund, which is behind, of course, Live Golf, which went into competition with the PGA, just recently decided to go down the road of joining forces with the PGA. Um, they trotted their league out there. They put forth a couple of lawsuits about it being mon- a monopoly. Uh, and eventually, I no, not not sure if I should use the word forced, but accomplished the merger of the two major golf leagues. Well, the sports business is working so well for them, they're going to create an even bigger multi-billion dollar fund to further their interests in other sports. And those other sports could include football. 
And if they do, would the National Football League open their doors to a potential Saudi-backed owner of the National Football League? Or would they have to go down the road of what they did with golf to try and build a competitive league? To try and pull guys away from the National Football League with even more millions of dollars to come play in their newly created league? Is there something as far as a potential competition for the National Football League coming from uh, the Saudi investment, public investment fund down the road, Johnny Mac? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I've been talking about this for years. I mean, this thing's been a, for those, this thing's been around for a long, long time. Um, they just kind of ramped it up uh, in recent years and now they're ramping it up even more. I mean, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm 1971 is I, when I think it was created by the kingdom, as they call it. And, you know, you name it. I, I don't think people realize, you know, Citigroup, Bank of America, Boeing, you know, things far bigger than the NFL uh, they have a stake in. Um, you know, I talked about WWE in the past. Uh, you mentioned Lib Golf. Um, I mean, they have more money. <laughs> It's, it's unless we turn our economy around and start going in the right direction and catch up. Yeah, I, I mean, once you get to the six billion range, which NFL teams are in, already you've seen it with Josh Harris. He's got to get all these investors. Typically, there's one or two or three, maybe four limited groups uh, buying NFL teams. Now, there's not a lot of people in the world that can buy an NFL team by themselves or with minimal investors. Um, it always comes down to money with this league. And if it comes down to money, yeah, they're going to own a team at some point. And they might own more than that at some point because they got more money. But would the NFL – just throw their arms around them and welcome them in? Or do you think it would go the same route that they did with golf? That this investment fund would say, well, we'll just start our own league and we'll pick off a couple of the superstars of the national football. Boy, that'd be ballsy. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll make those uh, $100 million contracts that these quarterbacks are signing look like chump chains when we start offering them double to come play in our Saudi football league. Do you think that actually has a chance of happening? I'm sure some people thought I at don't... one point there'll never be anybody that can compete with the PGA. Oh, until there was. I don't because of the public relations aspect of it. I mean, there's a lot of uh, issues with, and you saw it with golf. It would be to a greater degree uh, with the NFL because the NFL is so much more popular. And Again, with the NFL, the, the the golden goose is the TV rights, and the TV rights aren't going to be there. Uh, and they weren't there for Lib Golf. Um, you know, they could just fund it um, because they have that much money. When you take away the TV rights from the NFL, the it's not the NFL any longer. Um, and I don't know... If, if Saudi Arabia 
in fact, I, I do know they can't get those TV rights because of the PR hurdles in this country. Um, they can't. So I don't see it happening to that degree. Um, but yeah, as far as one team, two teams, three teams, ultimately you go about it that way. We're talking about years and years and years. I could see that, but unless they change their entire culture, which they're not going to do um, because it's a different country and they believe different things. Um, I, I don't see it happening. Right. But what if they were able to spirit away Patrick Mahomes? Would that not affect the TV right negotiations going forward? If some of the superstar players in the National Football League, the same exact way they did in golf, some of the best golfers went to live golf. And that no, I, well, well, that's that's what I'm trying to say. They can buy anybody they want. They could buy players um, and they could do it. But you're spending money just to spend money at that point. I'm saying, you know, ultimately, I assume they would run want to run it as a business. And if you're just going to spend $150 million to get a star quarterback, say, uh, uh, and you don't have the back end to make money, what's the point other than, you know, all right, if you want to run it as a, as a labor of love, and 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 by the way, the second part is again because football's not football's a uniquely American sport. It's not a world sport. Uh, golf is more of a world sport. Um, basketball, certain things, those are more likely. Most people outside of this country don't even understand American football, and there's a very. Um, core group that have grown to love it in Europe and they have a lot of fans in Europe, but as a whole, there's not a lot of people in other countries who even understand the game. It's sort of like us with soccer, you know, soccer's big there. Um, and they call it football. Um, here it's American football and a lot of people don't understand that. So no, but to buy a team, yeah, I, I expect them to, to get a team or be the, you know, majority owners of a team pretty quickly within right. the next 10 years or so. And that's why I'm suggesting they would at least consider doing the same thing that they did with golf to try and start their own road league. Because what they accomplished was they forced the merger. They forced their way in the door by spiriting away these players, overpaying these players, starting their own league, which as you're right, they didn't have the TV contracts and like, but they had the money to just pay them anyway. Well, what they eventually did was to put the two entities together as one big golf entity. I think that that is at least something that you got to put out there. It's a possibility. If the NFL decides, no, we're going to try and keep our ranks closed and we're not going to let in the, the Saudi interest. They may force their way in like they did in golf. Just something that we need to keep our eye on. Hopefully you and I are still doing Birds 365 when this actually transpires. Uh, four years from Hopefully now. Hopefully they give us now. the money. You give, <laughs> give us the money. I'll I, take I'm, the money. I'm giving them at least the nod on the financial end that they could potentially make this happen because, you know, that talks and everything else uh, walks. All right, Johnny Mac, I wanted to get uh, one more positional 
Um, question for you before we punch our buddy Les Bowen up. Yesterday we talked about the third string quarterback position. It'll be a fight in camp. Um, they'll certainly carry three quarterbacks. They carried three quarterbacks all last year, and we expect them to do so again. Could uh, Tanner McKee actually grab that job this year? How about tight ends? They got a bunch of tight ends on this roster. We know that Dallas Gardner is numero uno. We know that Jack Stoll has done a really good job at playing his role as more of the blocking tight end, not so much the receiving tight end. Goddard goes out, it does change the need at the tight end position. But they have five legit guys who can play in the national football. Again, I might be reaching a little bit with Tyree Jackson, but if uh, Darren Wallen opened your eyes, I know uh, two years ago here on Birds 365, you said that Tyree Jackson's making plays in practice as well that's opening people's eyes. He's never done it in a game, too many injuries. Um, but he does have a skill set that uh, intrigues the Eagles because they just keep keeping him on the roster. How big a tight end battle are the Eagles going to have with the opening of camp now less than three weeks away? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that big, to be honest. I think, you know, I think Dallas, obviously, uh, you know, Dallas is one of the best tight ends in football. Um, Jack Stoll, I think, is if you, you know, I did my locks a couple of weeks ago. They're locks to make the team barring injury. And then it comes down to me, Grant Calcaterra versus Dan Arnold. And I think they brought Dan in to sort of push Grant Calcaterra. I think the hope is that um, Grant Calcaterra takes a step forward um, and, and is that third tight end. If not, they brought in Dan Arnold to be sort of the bail safe. He's a really good receiver. Um, not much of a blocker. That's his issue. Um, and, I, and I think that's going to be, I, I suppose Tyree Jackson, just because of his physical skills, if he can stay healthy, he could be the wild card um, just because he's so gifted. But I, I don't see that happening. Um, and I think it's really going to come down to just Calcaterra versus Dan Arnold. Uh, for that third tight end spot. And it's more of, you know, is Grant going to take that next step? And if he doesn't, um, then it'll be Dan Arnold. There goes safety net, understood. Um, But uh, Tyree Jackson, his guys intrigued me since they moved him from quarterback to the tight end spot. I didn't even know he was going to be back with this team this year. Uh, They got a couple of other guys in Dalton, Keene, and, Brady Russell, practice squad at best. Are they camp bodies that are here for now? But as soon as the, well, and you don't, by the way, don't need to cut down until the week before the season. There are no cut downs in the the preseason. It's all one big cut from 90 down to 53. Uh, Either of these guys got a chance to be part of the team, if not the 53-man roster after, say, camp is over and done with? Um, I don't, I don't think so. In the case of, of, of Brady, you know, his, he's, I think the nephew of Matt Russell is one of the executives. Um, I believe he's the nephew. Um, that's sort of a little bit of a, a nepotism game. You know, Keen was a third round pick uh, in new England, you know, maybe 2019, 2020, somewhere in that range. Um, and, and he hurt his knee, and he really 
hasn't been the same since he was here last year uh, for a little bit uh, on the practice squad. Uh, and then they cut him and brought him back uh, on a reserve deal, uh, futures deal. But they had him last year, maybe for a month or two. Um, so I would say his upside's the practice squad. Both of those players are really battling for to be the practice squad tight end. And 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 if you can get Tyree Jackson through waivers, he's probably going to be the practice squad tight end. So. Now you might keep more than one too, because now you, the practice squad is so damn big. Um, so all these guys have a chance to make the practice squad, but I would say that's their upside. And when you've got a wide receiver group that isn't a depth position or a strength position as far as numbers go, it does increase the chances of uh, the tight ends being more of a factor if a team wants to go to tight end sets and Eagles have shown the uh, ability and the willingness to do that previously under coach Sirianni. All right, Jody Mac, Johnny Mac coming back. When we return, our pal Les Bowen is going to jump aboard with us here on birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, fire stick, Google TV or Apple TV? Now you can watch six ABC 24 seven with the six ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go back. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. That's what we talk day in and day out here on Birds 365, Eagles football, McMullen and McDonald. And we get uh, great third participants on a day in, day out basis. We've got that again. And he told me he's going with the computer today. Get that light adjusted, Les Bowen. Uh, the host of Bowen on the Birds podcast, Les Bowen, joins us here on Birds 365. You hearing me, Les? I am, yes. Well, we appreciate you jumping in with us. How's your summer going? Very, very well. And you? Uh, it's going well, Les. Um, finally heating up a little bit. I, yeah. I don't like that. I need a little bit. Yeah, the humidity is killing yeah. me. It's, 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 yeah. it's been awful the past couple of days. Plus, it rains every day. That's annoying. But yeah. anyway, I digress. Um, Jody and I were talking about it, so let's get you in the mix. You know Andy Reid better than most. Mike Bick, greatest coach of all time. I'm not mm. going to go that far. No. But I, I was looking it up yesterday, Les. You know, Andy's number five on the all-time wins list already, and he's going to pass Tom Landry this year. He's in the conference. He's top ten. He's top ten, and I think. Oh, sure, yeah. As, as we step away from Andy Reid, whenever that is, and I hope it's not soon, I hope he continues to go and, and stay healthy and coach the mm-hmm. Kansas City Chiefs. This is one of the greatest coaches of all time. I think that's fair to say. Would you agree with that? Oh, certainly. I, I was looking at all that stuff when we got to the Super Bowl uh, several months ago. Uh, it, it, he's been, for one thing, longevity. I mean, we think about all these historic coaches like Tom Landry and you know guys that we were accustomed to seeing growing up. And he became a head coach in 1999 yeah. and been, which doesn't seem all that long ago to us, I guess, but a lot of, some of the people uh, watching this now probably weren't even alive in 1999. Right. Uh, he's done it continuously. He did not take a year off when the Eagles fired him. He went right to Kansas city. Uh, that's an extremely long coaching tenure with very few down years. You know, he's, a, a bare handful of losing seasons. You know, I, has he had a losing season in Kansas City? I don't think so. No, no, uh, nine and seven was his worst season. Yeah, I, it's it's an amazing record and uh, two Super Bowl championships. Another one that he appeared in with the Chiefs, and of course the one with the Eagles. So, yeah, you have to. In fact, I go probably top half dozen. You know, yeah. Uh, all time. I think that's pretty, I, I don't think there's any way to argue it. Uh, you and I are on the same page. I just thought that Michael Vick kind of overstepped it by pointing oh, yeah. numero uno. Yeah. We understand. The thing, that, the thing that I know there are some Eagles fans who are still not, you know, happy with Andy because he didn't win a Super Bowl here, as we all know. <laughs> the one thing that would irritate me a little bit, I think, and I, as a journalist, it doesn't bother me. But if I were a fan, Andy learned how to be the coach that he is now when he was coaching the Eagles. I don't think the Andy Reid who coached the Eagles would have won that Super Bowl against the Eagles <laughs> several months ago. He's just a much better coach now, I think. he's it, The biggest loss uh, that I've ever covered, I think, the worst loss, 
was the first year I was covering the Eagles, that NFC championship game against Tampa Bay. Tampa? Yeah. When they had beaten Tampa a couple months earlier, easily, same team, same players, except John Gruden had a different scheme this time, and Andy didn't adjust well to it. That was an era, you know, I'm, I'm all on board with today's NFL is about passing, but that was an era when there was running was still a pretty mm-hmm. big deal. And the Eagles were running all over the Bucks. And Andy, they got the lead, and Andy wouldn't stick with that. He wanted to throw it all over the place with a quarterback who had just come back from a broken fibula and wasn't sharp. And, you know, they should never have lost that game. And I don't think today's Andy Reid would lose that game. And they would have killed. Yeah, I mean, experience. That 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 was in the Super Bowl that year against Tampa it might be the worst AFC representative of the of this century. It was yeah, really uh, people. Yeah, uh, people laugh at us because you know we have gray hair at times, but experience matters. Yeah. And I don't know how you get experience without getting experience. I, That's you know, exactly right. Yes. So yeah. that was the game for young Andy Reid, the coach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think logical that he got better. I agree with you, but I don't know how you speed that up other than going through that and learning from it. And and it was quite fitting that they tore the vet down afterwards because as Bowen's telling you, it was uh, as bad as it got as far as Eagle Watson go over the last 20 some odd years. I want to ask you about a different Eagles ex-head coach, the guy in between Andy Reid. Well, we had a couple. Uh, and the current uh, head coach, yeah. that would be Doug Peterson. I don't know which one we're coming up to, I think. Mm, we're coming up to – I want to ask coach? about – Which coach? You're Both. I'm going to ask you about Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni, because you were there after the 2017 championship. The next year, Doug Peterson came out with a line that stuck, the new normal. Oh, yeah. That everything changed when you're prepping for a season after winning a Super Bowl. Well, Eagles didn't win the Super Bowl last year. They came this close, but they did not win the Super Bowl. But certainly expectations have changed and pressure has changed. What's going to be the Sirianni slogan? And I don't think Doug meant it to be a slogan, but guys like McMullen and McDonald and Bowen made it into one by harping on the fact that it was the new normal, except it wasn't. It didn't quite pan out that way. How does Nick Sirianni handle the fact that uh, things are different going into this season coming up than they were last season. Well, I think Jalen Hurts has already given us a good idea of what that might be when he said, you know, last year is over. We haven't done anything. You know, I think that's the the mode. I don't know if that's what Nick is going to say, but I think that's the mode they need to be in. I don't think they can be in any way. It's going to be so much harder this year with the schedule uh, with the defense kind of being re redone with a new coordinator. Um, it's, it's the, the playoff uh, dominoes probably aren't going to fall as neatly as they fell last year when they really weren't even tested going into the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I think they need to start at ground zero this year and uh, really really grasp the immense challenge in front of them instead of being at all comfortable with what they've done or even taking a lot of satisfaction in what they've done. 
I think that's it's got to be something along those lines is we haven't done anything. You know, we didn't win. Uh, and, and by the way, in 2018, I was wincing uh, with all that uh, new norm, normal talk. That was so yeah, all over the building. All the Yeah, there, it was. Uh, they, they took that down real quickly. By yeah, Malcolm took that down. The Super Bowl uh, yeah. signed in the locker room. He, he got it. That was, it was really a celebration. And it was like, OK, now we're the new dynasty or something. And. It, it, after you win your first Super Bowl ever, maybe be a little more, you know, uh, humble understanding of, of how rare this is and not just declare yourself the uh, the team of the age, you know. And uh, yeah, that that didn't go over well and it didn't turn out well, which I think you could have foreseen, you know, as it was unfolding. Yeah. Well, you know, I think Nick has been. It's kind of boring for us at times, Les, as you know, but mm -hmm. he does preach, you know, day to day, week to week. Don't look ahead. Um, so he's good with that kind of stuff. But my my question to you is you've been around a lot of teams. It's easy to say that stuff. Yeah. But if you keep saying the same thing over and over again, it gets pretty stale pretty quick. Um, and we we just been through it with Doug Peterson. Yeah. Who, you know, after they won the Super Bowl, as you mentioned, first Super Bowl in franchise history, we just lost less. So I'll continue. Hopefully pops back up. Uh, so I'll ask you, Jody. Um, it, it's partially, you should be proud of it. But the second part is the messaging. How do you keep it fresh? Is that just, in an eight thing? Is that just a field thing? Because, I mean, he, he says the same thing over and over, and we get tired of it as reporters. I can't believe the, the players kind of start hearing the same thing over and over again, and we'll see if we can get less bad. Yeah, I'm back. I'm sorry. I was I was cocky there. I adjusted my screen. <laughs> the new normal. I was like Doug Peterson after yeah. the Super Bowl. I thought, well, this is going so well. I'll adjust my screen. Boop. I was no. gone. And here's where to answer John's question while you were gone less and, and he'll re-ask it so you can answer it as well. I think it's easier for Sirianni because yeah. he lost. Yeah. Because he can say, we didn't get it done. We came close, but we didn't get it done. And our goal is what it was. We need to win the last game of the season. So we're motivated. We've got uh, reason to go hard every single practice. We're not resting on our laurels. The Eagles won the 2017 Super Bowl. So right. that that made it, it, although it's very similar, it's not exactly the same. I have confidence that Sirianni will handle it well this year, that he'll say the right things to both us and the media and to the players as well. I don't think it's going to be a problem. If in 2020 hindsight we think that the Eagles could have handled 2018 differently and or better, I don't have that worry going into this year, do you? I don't know. I I agree with everything you're saying. Nick sometimes worries me a little bit. He gets he gives the right message, but he has a lot of confidence. And he has a situation this year that is I, I think a lot of the team's success is gonna have to do with what happens in the coach's room. He has these two new coordinators. Uh, one of whom coming in from the outside, the other isn't. And there's a lot that kind of has to be reestablished in terms of his 
and his staff's, you know, continuity and, and the way they work together and, and all that stuff. And I hope he takes all of that very seriously. But I agree that he, he has a good message, you know, that the fact that they didn't win, it is, you know, a very potent message, I think. And also this is, it's a tricky transition, but it's also easier than the 2017 to 2018 transition where you were going back to Carson Wentz, even though he wasn't quite healthy, uh, you know, to even start the season. In retrospect, that was a much trickier situation than I think we sort of gave it credit for being going in. You know, there was all this talk about all these guys that had missed the Super Bowl run and how they were going to come out and, you know, be on fire and the team was going to be better. But these guys missed the Super Bowl run because they were getting old and getting hurt a lot. Most of them, not Wentz, but Darren Sproles, Jason Peters, guys like that. And, and they guess what? They got hurt again. Yeah. You know, uh, you know I mean, it, it, in retrospect, that, that situation wasn't as solid as we thought it was. Uh, this situation is pretty darn solid. And I had Brandon Brooks on my uh, podcast a few weeks ago, and I was kind of going over some of the trouble points that I see, some of the things that could really bode ill for the Eagles this year. And he sort of waved all that away. And he said, look, is Jalen Hurts still the quarterback? And I said, yeah. He said, well, they're going to be okay. <laughs> it's amazing how, how, thing, how. That's a big weight to put on that man's shoulders. Yeah. But more I thought about it, kind of had a point. He's up to the task, yep. Yeah. yeah, last week, I probably asked you this before, but, you know, Jody and I do the show every day. You know, mm-hmm. and this time last year, all we talked about is Jalen Hurts. Is can Jalen Hurts take the next yeah. step? Is Jalen Hurts the guy? And now we got Brandon Brooks, an all-time great Eagle, saying, "Oh, don't worry about anything because we got Jalen Hurts." Yep. Man, how things yep. change in a calendar year. Well, it was that kind of year, and it was really that kind of Super Bowl. Despite the, oh, he was great the, fumble, the Super Bowl. Yeah. Despite the fumble for the touchdown, the second half of that game. I've never seen even Nick Foles didn't play better than Jalen Hurts did in the second half of that game. Jalen Hurts willed that ball over the goal line a couple times. I mean, he just he just took it in his hands and just okay, we need to score here. We need a two point conversion. You know, whatever. You know, uh, I mean, that was that cemented it for me, and I'll be shocked and disillusioned and bumfoozled and all that stuff if he doesn't pick right up where he left off and doesn't lead this team forward you know in a in a positive way Les I need you to look into your upcoming crystal ball for this season for me for one particular player because John and I have tossed this around a little bit I don't think we've done it yet with you in his three seasons in Detroit DeAndre Swift has caught 156 passes that's a lot of passes for mm-hmm. a running back coming out of the backfield. 46 is rookie year, 62 is second year, and 48 again last year. And he still hasn't played a full season. 13 games, 13 games, 14 games. So he misses a couple, and he still yeah. puts up those kind of receiving numbers. I don't think anyone would argue that he's been one of the best pass-catching backs in the National Football League. Is that going to be a big part of the Eagles' weaponry this year? Really good question. I don't know the answer. But, you know, this has not been 
we're used to seeing that around here. I mean, Andy Reid was huge on that. Andy liked it. Uh, I remember many years ago, Deuce Staley hated the fact that he was as much a receiving threat as he was a rushing threat. Deuce didn't want any part of that, but it was that was the way Andy ran the offense. Um, and then Chip did it, and uh, Doug did it, and Nick really hasn't done it. So that'll be interesting. This, did did Nick not feel he had? You know, Miles Sanders started out just fine as a pass receiver, and then kind of deteriorated in that in that yeah, part of did. the game. Yeah. I felt like uh, was that the reason that we didn't that we haven't seen a lot of this from Nick or. Is it just something he doesn't want to do? Uh, maybe we'll find out this year. It's it's got to be with you got you know Devonte Smith and AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard out there, and it's kind of hard not to make that the focal point of everything. And you, if you're smart, you're going to make that the focal point of everything. Yeah. But you know there is a there is room to do a little bit more of that. And uh, now that they have DeAndre Swift, that'll be That'll be one of the real interesting things to follow. And, and I can't pretend I'm, I'm sorry. I can't tell you what he's going to do, but I, I do think that's an option, maybe a better, a more credible option than it was last season or year before. Yeah, I, I think, and I've said this, so I'll run it by you, Les. I think it's two reasons. One, Nick did it when he had Phillip Rivers dumping the football off. One is the quarterback. The quarterback is better than dumping the football. He just runs it. Instead of getting seven yeah. yards, you get 10, 15 yards. Yeah. But number two, you bring up A.J. Devontae Dallas. One of them is always open, so you never yeah. get to the third progression. Yeah. Um, so I think it's those two sort of things conflating. I think Kenny Gainwell's a really good receiver. Just people don't know it because they haven't yeah. seen it yet. And now you have Swift, who's a very good receiver. But I don't think it matters with this particular quarterback as much as if you had, say, Phillip Rivers. Then I think it would be a huge part of this offense. Really good point. Yeah, yeah, that's an excellent point. But I'll say this. I think they need to find a way that Hurts can do that, can do the running thing a little bit less often and still be himself and still be comfortable, you know. I kind of felt like when he first came back from the shoulder injury last year, he was not running nearly as much. And I think it affected his whole game. I think he became, you know, for a while there, he was not as sharp and not as, you, you could tell he wasn't himself. Uh, but I don't think, you know, him running the ball 15 times a game, in the long run, that's just not going to, I know I, you know, you hear this all the time and it sounds trite, but it's not going to work. It's not going to, he's going to get hurt. He's going to get an injury that's going to take him out of the playoffs or something. Uh, you can't do that. You know, it's been proven over and over and over and over and over again. You can't do that. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying he should never run the ball, but I do think he should look a little more, to dumping the ball off here and there. Understood, but John and I kind of believe he's going to be damn close to running as much this year yeah. as he did last year. Nick, it's what I, he wants to do, you know, and that's a big, it's a part of his personality. And, you know, it's hard to, that's going to be a difficult line to, to hew. 
and I believe Nick when he said, why would we ask him to do less when we're paying him more? If we're paying him more, mm-hmm. we're going to ask him to do at least as much, if not more, going on down the road. All right, so here's a wacky, wild idea. What would be, would it be advantageous? Would it be smart if the organization thinks that, yeah, we got to skim this guy back a little bit because we just don't want to risk him because we gave him the mega contract. So we need to convince him that we need him running less designated pass play back into the pocket starts to break down. Shockingly, none of the three first options are open. His first instinct take off made 10 yards. Do we need Donovan involved here? Because Donovan played a lot like her first couple of years. And then he said, no, I need to stay in the packet to prove that I'm a pocket quarterback, not just a running quarterback and the like. Should Donovan talk to Jalen Hurts at all going into this season? No, I don't. That's a different question. I mean, that was so long ago that there was an overtone back then of black quarterback can't be pocket passer that Donovan was trying to prove was wrong. I think we're way I hope we're way past that these days. I don't think anybody doubts that Jalen Hurts can stand in the pocket and pick up, you know, second and third options and read defenses and things like that, which is what Donovan was fighting in those days. What happened with Donovan, in my view, was he started to really get hurt. The fibula was the first thing. Then there was knee. Then there was uh, something else. I forgot now, but he had some serious injuries and he realized, you know, hey, I'm getting older. You know, I can't I've got to really protect myself. And he became less of a frankly, he became less effective as that whole process went on, even though he wasn't really old. It was kind of like what's happened with Russell Wilson. And maybe Russell Wilson will will uh, change that with a new coach. But, you know, Russell Wilson last year was not Russell Wilson. Uh, he's getting a little older and he's not as much of a a threat to weave through the defense for 15 yards. And, you know, I don't know if that was a big part of what happened to him in Denver or not. But you, you don't want to – I would not – Donovan, to me – Donovan's career is not a uh, is not a, a something you want Jalen to emulate. Uh, I, I think Donovan's potential went largely, you know, unexplored. I think, like you said, he he started out great. Uh, Donovan ended up just short of the Hall of Fame, in my view. He needed like two more really good years to be a Hall of Fame quarterback of that era, and he didn't have them. And I, I don't think you can. I, I wouldn't get into that too much with okay. the table. Yeah, I mean it's it's difficult. Obviously, every player is different, but I I do think you're right. Less the game has changed. I think people are more accepting. I think Donovan was fighting against uh, more than just the average. And you know, it's one of the things that, and I think Jalen Hurts has talked about it. Is you know the other people coming before him that's made it a little bit yes. easier. Yes. And, and Donovan's one of those guys. It's interesting because he is to me, he's a borderline hall of famer. He's not going to get borderline. in there. Yeah. But if he won the super bowl. Yes. I think he's a hall of famer. I yes. think, you know, and, and, and by the way, when I say that, I, and I talked to Dama, I'm sure you've talked to Dama mm-hmm. a lot as, as a hall of fame selector. And we get a lot of them on this show. I think they put too much emphasis on Super Bowls for quarterbacks. Like, I think Eli Manning's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I don't think Eli Manning's a Hall of Fame quarterback. 
I think he had two good runs. Yeah. But he got two, and he's going to get in. So, yeah, I, I think Donovan's a really good player is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, he was. But he he left a lot on the table. He really did, I felt like. You know, he just didn't. When the Eagles traded him, he was devastated. He never yeah. put any ounce of effort into yeah, he was shut. Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Washington. And, yeah. you know, he could have fought the good fight. Yeah. And and Ben, you know, played three or four more years and had a couple of those years be real good ones, and there wouldn't be any debate about whether he was a Hall of Famer. But you're right about winning Super Bowls. That really is a big deal, not just at the quarterback position, but I think if you look at the Hall of Fame, and maybe they do things a little differently now, the, the selectors change over the years. You yeah. know, they don't have the same yeah. guys that were selecting it 50 years ago. Yeah. But – like the steel curtain, the whole steel curtain is in the damn Hall of Fame. Was every one of those guys one of the very best players of his era? Maybe. I don't know. But, yeah. you know, it just seems like it has a huge, huge impact on a guy's uh, stature. Now, now, with Eli, I will argue that those two Super Bowls were part of – those were historic, especially the one where they beat the undefeated. Oh, yeah. Those but I would argue accomplishments. But you that, can't give you can't give the MVP to the defensive line, but right. that's who won the Super Bowl for the Giants yeah. both times. Yeah, but with Michael well, Strahan, that was Justin true Tuck. during the whole Bill Parcells era. Too. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, I just I think you have to acknowledge the importance of certain games in NFL history. Oh, sure. You know, I'm participating in a thing Sports Illustrated is doing, trying to uh, the 50 teams that changed the game or something like that. And they had us rank all these teams and it hasn't come out yet. So I'm not going to give anything away, but I'll just say the Super Bowl Jets come off very, very well in this thing, because that was for most for people our age. That was the single most incredible game, most changing, epoch changing game in the history of football. Were the Super Bowl Jets really one of the greatest teams in football history? Probably not. But, you know, uh, that's that's what people remember. Yeah. Yeah. MVP, only quarterback to never throw a touchdown pass. Didn't get a touchdown in the Super yeah. Bowl, but he still got the MVP of his prediction ahead of time. All right, I'm going to see if you'll bite for my last question. Let's, the Eagles starting center for the 2024 opener will be mm-hmm. who? Oh, Cam Jurgens. I'm pretty sure. Unless something happens this season that, you know, if he totally, if he can't win the right guard job and he goes into a funk or – if he does win the right guard job and he ha- suffers a horrible injury or if he wins the right guard job and doesn't play well, which I don't expect any of those things to happen. I think Cam Jurgens plays this season alongside Jason Kelsey at right guard, watches everything Jason Kelsey does, listens to every word Jason Kelsey says in the huddle, every tip he gives him on double teams and, and combo blocks and in 24 24- 25 it's it's cam jurgens uh at les bowen make sure you follow les on twitter bowen on the birds the podcast listen to him anywhere you get your your podcast you know you got me in a wormhole i was thinking when you were talking there les i can't let you go without i i assume what you're doing with that side it's going to be all good teams you mentioned Mm -hmm. the super bowl jets 
But you were there in 2013 when Chip Kelly came. I talk about this all the time because I look back and I say, well, Chip was a pain that he didn't get along with a lot of people. I, I don't think he had filters. But, man, looking back in hindsight, he changed the NFL. He changed the NFL. How, as somebody was there every day, how do you look back on that? So much of what he did that then is just accepted now. Yeah. And I, I don't think he gets the credit for it. He doesn't. But on the other hand, he also destroyed the team with his. Yes. Well, that's part of the reason. I mean, you had this weekend Deshaun Jackson decrying yeah. Chip Kelly. You know, I think Deshaun Not a personnel feels like guy. Yeah. Chip really messed up Deshaun's career, I think Deshaun thinks. Uh, and LaShawn. But when I think about the top half dozen or so games I remember have, from covering the Eagles, that game at Washington. Week one, yeah. Oh, my God. That is right up there with anything I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> remember he had like the – the, what do they call that alignment where the whole offensive line is over on one side? And <laughs> I mean, it was just, mm. it was nuts. It was, he didn't do a lot of that stuff after that, but what was it? 56 points. They put yeah. up most of it in the first half yeah. and it was, ah, you know, you were like, I was, I was certainly a true believer that day. And yeah, I think see, uh, that, it that, took that's a long why, time. That's why he got his ass fired. That yeah. he didn't deal with people well, but he changed oh, was, expectations like that. Right. They went from being, yeah. uh, let's yeah. give this college guy a chance. To, holy crap, he's revolutionized the National Football League. How long did that yeah. last? Not long enough for Chip Kelly to keep it. But John is right. It's, you know, some of those uh, things he brought in are still, everybody does the music at practice now. That's just a small one. There's a much bigger things than that. But yeah, the sports you know. science, nobody hits yeah. in practice anymore. Absolutely. Remember with remember no live? We were all like, what? No live hitting? Yeah. No live periods at all. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like nobody if you see a live period, it's like when Doug came in and I think he had two a summer, we were like, Wow, yeah. live. Yeah. Then it then it right. it's but gone he, the other direction. It's but amazing. he also was Mr. Up tempo. Uh, time of possession right. doesn't matter. Yeah, guess what? It still does matter. Chip was right about certain things, but he was also woefully wrong about a whole bunch of stuff too, John. Time of possession can matter, but I said, I said no. People go up tempo so up much tempo more than all, they the to, yeah, than all the time. Yeah, all the time. It he did he did bring that yeah forward quite a bit in the in the NFL. He really did. He and, just had uh, no filter to stop it. And, and that's what there and no personnel judgment and nobody yeah. to tell him that he didn't have any personnel yeah. judgment. You know, he thought he thought very highly of himself. Yes. You know, and I remember. Sure, <laughs> yes, he pretty, did. Pretty sure he still does. When he went through the draft and he had no idea about this, having never done it before. And they kind of led him through the draft. And he said one of the things he said after the next year when he took over for Howie that kind of stuck in my mind was he. He looked at that draft and he saw that Odell Beckham was the best player in that draft. He would have known that, you know, and Beckham went, what, 13th or something to the Giants. And so Chip was convinced that having identified Beckham as as a standout player, this meant that he knew more than as much as or more oh, yeah. than all these he personnel did, yeah. guys. 
Well, I'd like to tailor like a fan saying, I saw so and so, you know, I thought he was going to be a great player. So therefore I should be the GM of yeah. Yeah. He also wanted to take Taylor Hart in the third round, I believe, Les, yeah. and yeah. he uh, he yeah. wanted to cut Brandon Graham for Travis Long. There's, yeah. Uh, yeah. there's personnel power yeah. for Chip so, Kelly. So Chip may still have influence in the league, but there's a reason why Chip isn't in the league, because yeah. for as much Great as with upside, the X there was mode, a bunch of doubt by Chip, people. too. Yeah. Les Bowen, we think very highly of you. And that's why we have you on as often as we do. Thank you very much for doing it. Next and this has worked better, except for that one glitch where I tried to adjust my screen. Don't, don't adjust the screen. Using the laptop it. instead of the phone has kept me online the whole time. Have you lined up the next guest for the Bowen on the Birds podcast? Yes, it'll be three this afternoon. It will be that Paul Domowicz. We're going to talk oh, about Paul nice. Dama wrote a piece uh, for the 33rd. Yeah, I saw that. I, I, I saw the, it. It was good. Actually, he contributed to the piece. Yeah. It was written by their whole staff. Yeah. But he talked about the Eagles, who have good Hall of Fame cases and why it might be longer for some of them to get in than others. And I'm going to milk that for all it's worth today, guys. Yeah. Just got to get some people birds. upset with Jason Kelsey. Uh, you know, yeah. he didn't put him as well, a Well, centers don't. Centers I know. don't. People the, don't the, understand. Right yeah. or wrong, the whole room doesn't rise up when you say center Jason Kelsey. You know, it, that's just not how football works. You yeah. know, it should <laughs> probably, but you know, that's yeah. no, that's it. Kelsey will get in. It might be a while. You yeah. know, yeah. Bob Brown died recently. Do you know how long oh, it took yeah. Bob Brown oh, to get yeah. the damn Hall of Fame? Oh, <laughs> when I was a kid, Bob Brown, everybody understood that was the best offensive lineman in football. At last, I covered I covered Paul Krause for, uh, and and well, yeah. not covered him, but I covered the Vikings, and I knew Paul uh, for years. All time interception leader took him fifteen years to get in. That's why I thought, yeah. you know what, it's going to take Brian. I'm surprised how quickly Brian Dawkins got in the Hall of Fame because yeah. they don't put safeties in the Hall of Fame. But or the they don't for many guys, years. The Hall of Fame process has changed. Yeah. They're putting more yeah. guys in every single year. Yeah, that's they have good. mandatory minimums. So guess yeah. what? Guys are going to get in faster right. than they used to get yeah. in. And uh, Mr. Kelsey's going to get in much quicker than Bob Brown did. I can guarantee you that. Oh, I, I agree so. with that. I but I, so. I don't think it's going to be year one is my only yeah. point. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be year one. Um, and I think that's going to upset some people. They'll it get will. in. Yeah. But I, I think it's going to take a few years. Mr. Bowen, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for hopping in with us today. We'll get you back in a couple of weeks. Tell Dom when we said hi. I sure will. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Les. That is Les Bowen uh, from Bowen on the Birds podcast. Oh, we're late. Sorry. I got yeah. Les keeps getting going down wormholes. He's All good. Right. good guest. Quickie timeout, and we'll come back and put a bow on the show here on Birds 365.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Alright, we're all but out of time here on Bird Street 65. Appreciate you streaming in. You want to hit that like button on the way out the door, we would say thank you very much in advance. Uh, one last Kelsey note before we go out the door. Two things. Number one, I've made the mistake. Didn't do it this year. Not going to do it next year of saying I think this is Jason Kelsey's last year. Not doing it. Not going down that rabbit. No, 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 no. Yeah. Les did. He said he thinks it's going to be uh, beef jerky one year at guard and then right over to center. I'm not counting Kelsey out till Kelsey counts himself out. And when he does, I will tell you that while he might not be a first ballot Hall of Famer, I'll make this prediction right now, he'll get the center vote quicker than any other center in the history of the National Football League. And I don't, I haven't done the research. I remember Jim Otto waiting and Dwight Stevenson waiting and Mike Webster waited a long time. They took all those other yeah. Steelers from the championship team before they got around to Webster. And he got in basically because Terry Bradshaw uh, talked him into the Hall of Fame. I'll bet you Kelsey gets in faster than any other center ever got in. Yeah, I'd have to look. I mean, your guy, Kevin Mawai, uh, he had to wait. He waited um, a while. He waited a while. Uh, the Dolphins uh, center. Uh, Langer. Uh, now, Jim waited a while. Stevenson, you meant. Who am I thinking? Of? I'm trying to. Who was the. Uh, uh, drawn a blank. But uh, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd have to look it up, but there aren't a lot of centers in. and yeah, most n- of None them... of them ever got in on the first ballot, so you'd yeah. be asking Kelsey to do something that's never been done before in the history of the National Football yeah. League. That's, that, that, yeah, that's not it, a knock if he doesn't get in on and, the first ballot. And that's ballot. what I was trying to say. Les was referencing Dama's piece, and he was a contributor at, at the 33rd team. Um, and that's what he's trying to say centers there's not a lot there's 17 most of them are older um and and they generally don't get in right away um so it's you know is is he going to be first ballot no but you might be right he might get in quicker than anybody else i'd have to look at each one and that and see how quickly they got in in and of itself says a lot all right uh partner we've run over time I say we do this again tomorrow. You in? Let's do it. You're going to get McMullen and McDonald right back here on Birds 365 in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.